0: Welcome to Wood Talk for Woodworkers by Woodworkers. Now here are three guys who, if combined, would make one hell of a woodworker: Mark, Matt, and Shannon.
1: All right, it's Wood Talk number two sixty-two for July twenty-seventh, twenty-fifteen. On today's show, we're talking about preventing cedar from graying, seeing grain direction in a board, and hinge recommendations for a large drop-down drawer front. All that and more coming up. But first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, SawStop. After SawStop. more than No, that's after it, after it, at the end. Oh, Shannon. I'm so excited. Ah, you jumped the gun, dude. Leave it to the hand tool guy to completely mess up the power tool ad. Seriously, screwing it up. After more than a (laughs) decade, SawStop's combination of safety and precision has made them the number one cabinet saw in North America. Use the interactive tools at SawStop.com to build and price your ideal SawStop, then find a dealer online or near you. Protect yourself today with... SawStop. No, Shannon, Shannon. Oh. Oh, Shannon's going to take care of it? Hey, well, I figured he was so excited about it, he may as well. I drifted off. I was thinking about cutting <laughs> hot dogs.
2: And okay. Um, when so sauce Shannon- comes up, I start thinking of cutting chicken legs and hot dogs, and I get hungry.
0: Franks and beans. Sh- Shannon has his own sauce stop. Once the sauce starts going into his hand, he goes, stop! <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ow. He just, yeah, He just lets go. Uh, also, we like to thank a few folks who helped us out with uh, supporting donations over at woodtalkshow.com, specifically Robert DeVries and David Knapp. Thank you so much, gentlemen. And if you want to help out too, you can just go to woodtalkshow.com, look over in the right hand column for the donation links, and set up a, a recurring donation in a small amount or a one time donation in whatever amount you choose. And that helps us keep the lights on and uh, keep the software going and these live streams going. Actually, we have to thank someone else for that that's actually Alpha Geek Radio that pays for all that Uh, but I do they have a Patreon and I do the Patreon so consider it funding the Patreon in a way nice Uh, yeah Yeah. indirect
0: Patreon support something like that yeah yeah no, I just have to say not to not to uh, poo poo any of our uh, poo-poo. our, our poo poo or put down any of our our, our special friends there. But uh, Robert Devries, actually, I I'm more than positive I know this gentleman, and he lives in a certain town south of me. Mm-hmm. And for anybody that knows that certain town south of me, it is quite something when they like take some money out of their pocket and give it to you.
1: Whoa! So you're really? saying they're cheap? <laughs> uh,
0: I'm not saying that, but there is a certain reputation that other people say about that. So I'm just going to agree with that reputation.
1: Well, Robert's support. Of our show it flies right in the face of that Matt so what do you think of that
0: I think that I should maybe uh, readjust my attitude towards certain individuals from that
1: area sounds good to me all right all right let's move Thank into you Robert <laughs> Yeah, thanks Robert and David uh, let's move into what's on the bench I'll hit it off first here I am playing with my domino and I like to do that now and then. I figured on the last project, I did extensive mortise and tenon joinery and uh, showed that it's possible to do it just with the router and a table saw and uh, not much else. So this time, I've got a bunch of other things with this project that I need to focus on, like trying to figure out how not to split the wood when doing this weave pattern and how to get the little pieces in the weave to go into a small little channel on the, the leg there's a lot of things to work out and the joinery for the leg to the rails is the least of my concerns. So it's like, let's put that on easy mode. Let's use the domino for that and then focus on the stuff that's actually a little bit, a little bit of a a challenging thing to figure out and maybe a little bit experimental. Um, I mean, if something breaks, I'd rather just redo the part and then use the domino to make the joint again rather than having put all that extra effort into more traditional mortise and tenon joints. So um, yeah, so domino to the rescue on this one. Uh, but feeling good about it, the hamper, little dual compartment hamper, rolling hamper thing is actually coming along. And I, I took all week off last week. I just didn't feel like doing any woodworking. So it was time. It's time for a break, guys. Yeah,
2: we kind of noticed based on your performance in last
1: week's Wood Talk. Yes, yes. I was <laughs> so slacking far. off. It was definitely time for a break. Uh, but no breaks from Wood Talk, by the way. That's that- right. Not
0: yet, at least. Eventually, maybe, possibly, if you guys are really good.
1: Well, what is it? It's uh, We're getting pretty close to our break, aren't we? We probably should have yep. mentioned that at the top of the show. Darn it. Well, if Shannon <laughs> hadn't thrown in the sauce stop thing, we wouldn't have been thrown Shannon, off. Shannon, darn it. All right, so let me just double check. Maybe we should mention this. Uh, okay, we have like two more weeks, so it isn't until August 17th. We're going to be going on a little break, so we'll I guess we'll have an official announcement maybe next week about that, but uh, we're going to take a few weeks off. We will still have some content rolling out for you during that time, and uh, specifics will come later on. That's right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All three of us are getting
2: on the love boat and going to Puerto Varada,
0: Something like that. Ooh. Ooh. That sounds like a good time. Speaking of the love boat, Matt, wasn't that your nickname in college? Uh, No, that was – no, never mind. That was Tub of Something. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, you're up. All right. Well, the big thing for me this weekend was – Shannon, I think it was last time or or the the previous one you had mentioned – getting some time with the lathe and just enjoying making small things for around the house because you know being with the lathe is just fun. Yeah. Was that last time? Sure, I don't know. Okay. Well, I followed your advice. I followed your lead. And that's exactly what I did this weekend is uh, I had a bunch of uh, I had some nice scrap wood. And I actually had these bottle openers uh, hardware that I picked up at my local woodcraft a long time ago. And I said, you know what? I just want to do something fun. And this actually kind of plays into what you were describing just a second ago, Mark, with uh, how you just kind of like when it comes to certain things, you want to go easy mode and mm-hmm. you're just going to do something kind of. Easy, fun, you don't have to worry about it being overcomplicated, and that's exactly what I did with the lathe, is I just turned some some nice-looking uh, uh, handles for these bottle openers and uh, put a nice little finish on it, and Sweet. maybe in, in less than two hours, I had three rather unique-looking uh, bottle openers, and in fact, yesterday we had our our brunch on Sunday. We had our brunch with our our friends, our family, as we uh, like to call them, and uh, I we kind of had those out, and people were oohing and eyeing them. And I'm like, they could be yours for twenty five ninety nine. Nice, <laughs> yeah. They're still here, so <laughs> no one bit.
1: <won. laughs> <No one did. laughs>
0: yeah, but more importantly, though, it was just the fact that it was it was some fun time doing, kind of turning the brain off, not turning off the safety brain. But just turning the brain off and just enjoying the actual process itself and having fun with it and, and getting something out of it that you actually like.
1: Well, and kind of going from start to finish in a matter of hours as opposed right. to weeks. Right, exactly. It's always yeah. nice for a change.
2: <laughs> so you're yeah. new to this whole lathe thing, newish. Matt, what is your um, – for a project like that, what finish do you like to use?
0: Um, I've been using shellac wax. Uh, nice. So it's, it's a manual. Yeah, it's uh, shellac and wax and everything else, that it's a friction finish. So you put it on, and then you you add friction to it, and uh, preferably not your bare hand. Well, you could probably do that, <laughs> but uh, you just use some paper towel with it, and it comes up to a really nice, not too glossy, but yeah, a really nice finish in no time at all, and people can handle it and do whatever they want to. In our case, people were popping open beer bottles left and right with them, so it was a, it was a good time.
1: Nice. Nice. I've always it's been good. tempted, uh, being a greasy Italian, I've always been tempted to just put my face on it see if I can't get a little natural action going there. Go. there. It'd probably either smell
0: like vinegar or salt and vinegar <laughs> might or, or,
1: or garlic. One or the, other.
2: the cool thing about those little projects is I, I made that probably the same kit, Matt years ago. And, um, that type of stuff goes in like a single drawer in our kitchen. It's like where the pizza cutter is and the, the, the little salad tong things and all that and all that stuff over the years I've made. So it's just kind of cool. You open the drawer and like, there's a pie server in there made out of ebony. You know, there's a little bottle opener with cocoa below. It's just kind of a neat thing. That's just, Totally innocuous sitting in a drawer somewhere, but like if you do have people over, hey, you pull out the, this. the fine exotic hardwood beer opener. And I,
1: I pull it. out my Star Trek pizza cutter. Ooh, does, does it, it have a Star like, Wars face or sound? pizza cutter? And I'll tell you what. Uh, having the the like the handle be the enterprise is li- like really bad. Like ergonomically, it's the worst pizza cutter ever. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I would much prefer like a nicely turned handle from from Matt or Shannon <laughs> as opposed to a stupid <laughs> awkward thing that makes you want to cut your hand off. So, uh, but yeah, it's it impresses people.
2: Yeah, I'm telling nice. you, the lightsaber Star Wars pizza cutter is the way to go. That's a good idea. It makes idea. noises and it like makes the little woom woom and you swing swinging around <laughs> right. It's that cool.
0: would be freaking awesome. Cool. All right, so that was my Shannon, your curly ch- oh curly cherry. I thought it was curly like is in Curly Sue the movie with Jim Belushi's brother and or no oh, no Jim Belushi John Belushi's brother. Okay, never bring, mind. So bring cherry, it back. Curly Matt, bring it back. <laughs> Reel it in, Matt. Reel it in. <laughs> Come on, just go with it, guys. It's Monday. Matt, Matt really <laughs> tries to work hard on those segues. <laughs> yeah. So
2: I got I got in the shop. I was excited. Yay! It's like. the the first decent amount of shop time I've had since we brought a puppy into the house. And the solution was maybe take Kenny down to the shop with you and take his crate where he goes for quiet time, take his crate down there and he probably will just be happy to be with you. So I did. And? And he, you know, so I was milling some lumber, just doing hand plane stuff at the bench and it was totally fine. He fell asleep in his crate and I'm thinking, this is awesome. This is solution. I've got my shop back. Um, And I was filming a series of clips that eventually will kind of go into musical montage voiceover mode. (laughs) So I didn't have the lapel mic. There wasn't any speaking. It was just capturing ambient sound. Mm -hmm. Well, then I had to film a couple of clips where there was actual mic live while I was doing something commentary. Well, apparently, once I start talking, Kenny feels the need to chime in. (laughs) So... Like the simple 10 second clip that I needed to film to kind of wrap up the little voiceover segment was, I think, I, five or six clips, five or six takes in order to get that. Because I'd start talking and he would start, like, not howling, but just talking like a puppy talks. <laughs> Let you know he was there. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be like, okay, I would pause, you know, camera's still running, just pause for a second, reset, go back, start the paragraph again, and he'd do it again. Every time I started talking, it'd be like, Halfway through the first sentence and he would start, you know, (laughs) so apparently he's perfectly happy to be in the shop as long as I don't ever talk. So apparently Kenny is a YouTube audience member and (laughs) I'm just not supposed to talk.
1: (laughs) He just doesn't want you to talk in the camera. (laughs) Right.
2: So needless to say that that's, uh, it was fun to get back in the shop and actually get some work going. It was enough to kind of get the, the sawdust back in your veins and get me jonesing for more shop time. But yeah, the puppy's not quite uh, not quite ready for to lose me for hours
0: on end of the shop. He's we'll not on board yet. No, not so much.
2: <laughs> but I was able to plant some
1: really pretty curly cherry, so that's a bonus.
0: Good deal. Yeah, I, did, I did see a picture of that today, and I was like, whoa, that's pretty awesome.
1: Using the uh, Scott Meek wooden-bodied plane, right?
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah, I, I saw, saw that indeed.
1: too. Good deal. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, let's move into what's new. We only have one thing here, so Matt, you want to take that one? Yeah, well, AJ sent us a.
0: Uh, a speaking of Twitter, and um, we have a uh, at depressed Darth, and uh, at depressed Darth said, "Shut up and take my money," and sent a link along to a Millennium Falcon. Millennium Falcon. What did I say Falcon? Falcone. Falcone. <laughs> <laughs> the Millennium Falcon uh, serving tray. So, That's this is the one guy that runs the underworld in Gotham, right? That's what that it Batman is. had to take down. <laughs> yes. Well, this is the Star Wars version one, not that guy's head. But it's a, a nice serving tray and it's pretty cool looking. And I'm like, I don't know about take my money, but why don't you just give me the pattern and I'll make one myself?
1: Yeah, it's a little router bowl. Type deal. See, those router bowls are great. Like, if you can come up with a basic, recognizable shape, uh, make yourself a little template, you can make a, all these themed bowls. And uh, why do you have to keep your router in
0: a bowl? Uh, because otherwise the bits go everywhere. Uh, uh,
1: God. God, can I can explain everything to this guy. If it wants uh, a power just- tool, he's just lost.
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> no. Router bits round roll off the uh,
1: table. <laughs> All right, let's <laughs> move into flat. our uh into the poll of the week here and I don't think we have a new one this week unfortunately. Uh but last week's poll was asking about assembly tables and I've got a couple of uh, replies here now. Tom had two of them that sounded similar to me, and and so I lumped them together into a 50% group that basically says I have the assembly tables that are multi-purpose, so it's either a workbench or like an outfeed table or they do other things, Um, but they do have a a space for assembly. 23% said that I use anything I can that isn't covered in tools, 15% 15% say, yes, I've got a dedicated assembly table. 10% use their table saw, and 3% use the floor. Uh, I'm in the 10%. Use your table saw?
0: Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. It, yeah, when I had the granite topped one, I really liked that because then when I glued, it didn't matter. I just scraped it right off, had no effect on the table whatsoever. The one I have now, I'm like, well,
1: I guess I got to break out the rust remover. What the heck did I just do that for? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, what, what, uh, what's happened with granite top saws? Is that still a thing? Companies still produce uh, them? I
0: I don't know. I thought Steel City was the only one that was actually doing it. Oh, wait. I take it back. Richard,
2: Richard had, had one for a while. They? Yeah, they yeah. Did, yeah. I haven't seen one in a while. I wonder what the, the reason for that was. Probably yeah, no. lack of like user acceptance.
1: Yeah, I'm guessing we're, it just
2: we're never, stubborn bunch. It never caught on. <laughs> right, exactly. My father had cast iron. I don't need any of
0: your new fangled granite. Or well, maybe there, it was one of those things where they didn't like the pattern of the granite. They're like,
1: "Can I get yeah, something <laughs> with some more red flecks in it?" This doesn't go Ooh, with my cabinets. A little it's bit not, less
2: quartz, please. Maybe some more garnet. That would be good.
1: I just think it never really, you know. I mean, the thing is, it, it could be, it could break, right? You could have something like a miter piece. Uh, the miter slot could probably break if you like smack the the, the miter gauge the wrong way. Um, yep. Obviously, not easily, but it certainly is possible. And then the lack of magnetic features. I think those those things were really problematic like- for people. That it's was true. the
0: one thing that really, uh, for myself, was, was really such a pain was the lack of the magnetic feature because I think it was Maglock or something, like the one with yep. those really powerful magnet jigs. Uh, they had sent me some stuff to give away and said, here, go ahead and try
1: this out. And I remember going, <laughs> I have granite. <laughs> it's,
0: it's not, not a work. lot of iron and granite. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And well, and I think maybe they also over- overestimated people's desire for a, a dead flat, true flat table saw surface. Right, you know, yeah, I, I can easily we, see that. We definitely overthink that, but ultimately I guess people are like, well, you know, what I've got here is probably good enough and what cast iron gives me is good enough. I don't know that I absolutely need that. I I, I liked it though. I've, I used mm-hmm. one of them and I was like, this this is kind of cool. Like, I might be able to be sold on this, but I, I was kind of hoping it would become like a permanent part of uh, a power tool company's lines. Like you could, oh, let me just upgrade to the granite top and it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I still really liked mine, not only for the fact that I could use it as an assembly table and not worry about the glue going all over the place, but they, it was definitely far more quiet compared to even, sorry, Saw Stop, but yours is loud compared to the granite top. Now, it'd be really cool if you could put the Saw Stop feature in there. Um, and then the other thing was, yeah, how, how heavy it was, that not only contributed to keeping the, the noise down, but yeah. it kept the vibration down a lot.
2: Yeah, makes sense. What, what they need is like a more <clears throat> igneous granite with more hematite in it so it could be magnetic that would be so, super cool. You know, they just have to mine it from the sea bottom. Um you so know, that'll probably add a little premium to the cost, <laughs> but there you go.
0: This is probably I wonder if there's now a magnetic paint that you can get for putting magnets on a wall. I wonder if I could have just coated my tabletop with that magnetic paint, paint if that would have worked.
1: Paint for a tabletop surface sounds or a <laughs> table saw surface sounds brilliant. That sounds That's great. great. You should Maybe do I that. just
2: That won't rub off on your project parts at all. (laughs) No, no, no. That won't be a problem.
1: Well, that was totally a sidetrack.
2: I think Tom needs to do another poll or someone needs to do another poll that says, why do you think Tom missed the poll of the week? With several answers being he actually (laughs) ate the worm. Um, (laughs) I think he still met uh, met his friend named Montezuma while in the Southwest. Uh,
1: (laughs) Think of some answers. That that would work out. I think option three would be something else something else <laughs> yeah i think he's still recovering it was a long trip he was out of town for like a couple weeks so he's probably playing catch up over there uh all right let's move into kickback and got a lot of kickback for me the comments on this stuff on the website is great so we can only give you a little taste of what people send back our way so definitely go to woodtalkshow.com check out the uh, various shows and look at the comments there are lots of good information and actually if i may sorry mark uh-huh um, a couple
2: shows ago, we did the thing about uh, what is your business model, like LLC, all that stuff. Yep. That thread is still going strong. Mm-hmm. There's some great advice. Like it's almost stuff that people should be charging for. There's like attorneys and lawyers talking back and forth on that thread. And I've actually found myself referencing it going, oh, okay, maybe I need to go change this, change that. So if anyone listened to that show and still has questions, revisit that thread because there's some great stuff
1: there. My favorite is the the attorney that says the first step is to get an attorney. here's my (laughs) car but yeah it it truly is useful very i was really surprised at how well that one panned out uh all right first thing we got here is uh from josh in reference to the softwood workbench discussion we had previously he says i just recently finished building my workbench laminating 15 2x4x4s for the top they were all reclaimed from pallets and 2x4s that were found in the trash it was a lot of work milling the boards down just to glue up the top the legs are made from soft wood as well. My total cost was around 20 to 30 bucks for glue, uh, and I guess he bought a couple of extra boards to supplement it. If for some reason the top doesn't hold up very well, I can take my hand plane to the top and re-flatten it.
0: Hmm. Go. Very good. Mm-hmm. All right, well, this next one came in from Stan P., and this was in reference to the split-level shop for the OCD woodworker. And Stan P.'s advice is,
1: for the OCD woodworker, make the upstairs your office, design, studio, and finishing area. You know we had a couple people say finishing area and the one problem I have with that is you're now not only moving like moving project parts around is bad enough but moving a completed project from downstairs to upstairs just to do finishing sounds like a really bad idea.
0: Yeah, I, that's my thought, too, is just that whole moving things. I already do enough moving things. I don't want to have to move it up there and then bring it back down again to get it out of the shop. up and down yeah. of so
1: the stairs. I now, mean,
0: if you had one of those, have you seen – Like you could get like an elevator, like a, a, a dumbwaiter, dumbwaiter, basically. A dumbwaiter set up. Yeah, well, I guess yeah, that, that just, might work. That would be
1: really,
2: really cool. <laughs> nice. Only if you could ride on it, though, because you know you oh, want to.
0: Oh, I would be riding on it. Trust me.
2: Yeah, you, you could send the kids out to carry the piece up and you just ride the
0: elevator up. I'll meet you up there. <laughs> that's exactly that's what I plan on doing. Yeah, and it has to be a totally squeaky pulley. That's Don't it. ever oil the pulley or it'll take away the the effect. That totally makes me think, you know, like there's those uh uh those step uh, the, oh, my gosh. Like uh, George Costanza would totally use one. Like you sit on the uh, the wall and it takes you up the stairs for elderly oh, yeah, people. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. A little chair. Sure. Yes. I need to get one of those for moving my projects up and down the basement. I'll be like, <laughs> um, what's the load capacity on this? That'll work. <laughs>
1: I'll be there in 20 minutes. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> All right. This next bit of kickback comes from Mark in reference to making money. He said, I've been, um, yeah, he's going to tell us how to make money. I've been, we're working as a hobby for at least 30 years. Many years ago, a friend and neighbor asked me to make them a child's table and chairs like I'd made for my children. And I thought, great, I can do something I enjoy and make money at the same time. The problem was I really didn't want to make another table and chairs. And my friend didn't understand what materials cost. And I assume thought I should work for nothing. When I was making it, it wasn't fun, but it felt like a job, and I already had a job. What I learned from that was that, for me, woodworking is a hobby that I enjoy, and I have never sold anything since. However, I have given many projects to friends and family and have enjoyed making every one of them. Good point, Mark. The minute you start turning into money, it becomes work, and work's not fun.
1: Yep, Mm -mm. that is true. All right, next one here is from Keith, kind of in a similar vein, dealing with making money. He says, "I make and sell furniture and other goods, jewelry, instruments, etc., both on spec and by commission." The trendy, younger, millennial, hipster, yupster crowd typically can't afford the extravagances their rich uncles and grandparents would splurge on, like luxury vehicles, expensive jewelry. They also don't hold the same value for something that no that has no history uh, that everyone can own. Part of it is coming of age, adulthood during a recession. They maybe can't have high-end Mercedes, but they can have a dining table that will last them 20 more years than that car will. Something they will watch their family use and live with. Something built just for them. This is the kind of luxury that they want and can afford to have. In short, I think a growing subset of the younger generation of buyers want the most bang for their buck, just like anyone else. While they can't or won't be able to bore you with talk about their new executive position, their house in the Hamptons, or the Bluetooth seat warmers in their Porsche SUV. Oh, that sounds nice. A Bluetooth seat warmer. You think to just play music to your butt or, that would be so awesome. I listen to your podcast straight up my butt. Um, <laughs> they can and will happily bore you with details about their handmade artisanal jellies, uh, which you have for brunch on their – it sounds like something like at, at Matt's Sunday brunches with his friends. <laughs> it's funny you actually say that because we did have some fig uh,
0: jelly that a friend brought. There you go. I I knew it. I nailed it. Uh, and we all enjoyed it in our beards.
1: Right. And he uh, finishes off, he says, on their uh, mid-century-inspired kitchen table made from reclaimed wood from a water tower in Brooklyn made just for them by a guy who lives just upstate. You know, uh, I I will say though, if you stop spending all that extra money on your artisanal jellies and and fancy artisanal toast, you might be able to afford a Mercedes. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, no kidding.
0: Yeah, that stuff's expensive. Especially it adds up. Especially the artisanal toast, especially when you get the Texas slice <laughs> rather than the regular. Exactly. That is a huge upcharge. Extra double the cost. Extra 25 cents, man. That stuff adds up. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> All right, well, we have this last one. This came in from Wilbur, and this is in reference to the softwood workbenches. And this is our good friend Wilbur Pan. Oh, uh, that he says, guy. The, yeah, that guy. I, I'm kind of worried about this because I'm wondering if he's talking about like a Japanese style workbench, but let's go ahead and get into the comment. and We'll find out. He says, I made my Rubo bench out of Douglas fir six years ago, and it's been great. I would completely do it all over again if I had to. Most of the lumber came from came in the form of eight foot long killed dried Douglas fir four by fours that I got for $11 a piece at Home Depot. Do you think he had a coupon when he
1: went over there? I hope so. <laughs> that would complete that would the picture. Be-
0: That would. So anyways, he goes on to say, I also picked up a 2x12 to laminate together to make the legs. When I was buying the lumber, I would pick through the stacks to get really good, clear pieces. It took a while to assemble enough 4x4s for the project, but I didn't have any problems with the lumber when I got it into my shop. I have all the gory details on Giant uh, Cypress. That's his uh, blog. and We'll make sure to have uh, the link in there for you if you really want to check it out. And in terms of availability, all the construction lumber in Home Depots in New Jersey seem to be Douglas fir. I once went into a Home Depot in Delaware and all they carried was hemlock and found the same thing in Pennsylvania. Oh, my gosh. Those poor people. Hmm. Uh, it does look like what species Home Depot uses for their construction lumber depends on the location of the store. Finally, here's an argument in favor of having the workbench softer than the workpiece. I know that we shouldn't be dropping workpieces on our workbenches, and I would guess most woodworkers are coordinated enough that this isn't a problem. Uh, you haven't seen me. Actually, have probably <laughs> seen it in videos. So I'm not good with routers either on my workbench. <laughs> yeah,
1: he likes to make them dance on his hand.
0: That's right. Uh, we're having a workbench we're having a workbench that's made out of a softer species helps is when you have that stray little wood chip that gets trapped under your workpiece because you didn't completely brush off the top of the workbench. That little chip of wood can either dent the underside of your workpiece or the top of your workbench depending on which one is softer, and I
1: would much rather have the dent in the workbench. Mm, good point. Mm, know, sounds like the start of a joke. So I walked into a Home Depot in Delaware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like a bad dream. I was was thinking something like that, too. I'm like, (laughs) bump, bump. (laughs) So, you know, even with a soft bench, wouldn't a wood chip still kind of dent the wood? You know, like if you're sanding on top of your bench and there's a piece of wood under there, like even if the bench is softer, you're still going to get a dent. It's just maybe maybe not as significant, but you're still going to get one.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think I can't see another way around it. You're going to get a little something. You're going to know there was a chip there. Yeah, suck up that chip, man. Don't be so lazy. How about that? Mm, but it leaves such a <laughs> nice, soft impression. See, but the problem right. is in Wilbur's shop, his
2: vacuum works backwards.
1: Oh, that's – But i um, And oh, if you don't get way. that, you haven't been woodworking long enough. <laughs> Just <laughs> go visit his blog. You'll discover what <laughs> Shannon's referring to. Right. Uh, all right. Let's get into our email. I've got the first one here from Cliff. He says, guys, I use teak oil on cedar for my project. Uh, by the way, this is hot What's off the presses. The this email came in today. Ooh. Yeah, and it I haven't even had a
0: chance to cool down yet. The I, owl is still really tired.
1: Yeah, and I ignored <laughs> the the twenty five to thirty other emails sitting in the scrap pile uh, to answer this one because <laughs> I'm lazy. Uh, it fell in my lap. I had to answer it. Okay, he says that, uh, let's see, I use T-coil on cedar for my project. It'll be in the sun probably six hours a day. I think I got the idea from Mark's Adirondack build and considered that to be enough research. (laughs) That was your first mistake. (laughs) Uh, Now I'm reading that the sun will cause my cedar to still get the gray-aged look. I don't want that. I will punch the sun in the face if that happens. Is it going to happen only if I don't reapply every year? Can I go over the top of the teak oil with spar varnish without causing a rupture in space-time? Should I pour both in a giant pool and dunk everything I own in just to be safe? Sarcasm aside, just curious, thanks. Uh, So Cliff, you know, it's one of those things. This is one of those things. Cedar just changes color over time. It's, uh, It's a losing battle. And honestly, for the most part, unless you want to refinish this thing every year or two, it's going to be something that will naturally happen. Uh, Certainly will happen with just teak oil because it's not actually adding a whole lot of protective film. Um, So if you do want to stave this off a little bit and extend the amount of time, you can kind of enjoy the beautiful color, that sort of reddish color that you've got there. Naturally, uh, you really do need a film on top of it that protects that surface from UV. And the problem is over time, that surface wears, the finish just becomes a little bit less effective, and then you either have to refinish or... A lot of cases you can get away with just kind of sanding the top layer of finish, cleaning it up, and then applying a new coat of your marine varnish or whatever it is that you've got with that UV inhibitor in there. Um, So the problem is though, over time, it's just going to change color. It may just wind up fading. Uh, In best case scenario, it's probably going to fade a little bit and worst case scenario, it's going to completely gray on you. But the fact that it gets about six hours of sun, that's a substantial amount, but it's not a full day's worth um, so you know you're going to be somewhere in the middle there, and a lot of it also depends on your climate and where you're at. So ultimately, though, my advice is to just put on a good UV protectant film if you really want to maintain that color. And you will probably have to reapply it on a routine basis to to maintain as close as you can that original color that you really like. Um, Epiphane's marine varnish is a good option. There, um, what's that? Uh, Sickens makes a bunch of different products. Penafin I might not be That's pronouncing cool. that right, but they make some good products that are recommended out there. Um UV protection and a thick film is is probably your best best way to go here. Otherwise you are looking at grade cedar, no matter what you do.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See nice. now I've always heard that you'd be better off to just continue to oil it. You can do just that. Because oiling doesn't require any kind of you just rub it back on. You know, you don't have to do any sanding and you don't have to worry about bonding, you know, how um like polyurethane and stuff doesn't actually it, it just layers on top of the yeah. other finish, um, and it doesn't actually penetrate in. So to me, it's like um, deck uh, Thompson's water seal. All that stuff. All it is is just rubbing oil back into the wood and uh, giving it, you know, that thirsty wood getting some of its color back. So, uh, and and most of my outdoor furniture is painted. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't have a lot of experience with this, Mark. I know you have a lot of experience with nasty sun. So. Um, <laughs> Have you run into that where the, the finish will start to flake that and way. peel away nasty <laughs> How dare nice, you, sir? Like that.
1: That's my own flesh and blood. Uh You know, the thing is, you can do that. It's going to help. But I have a feeling that over time, you just keep applying coats of oil. Uh Unless you're doing it every couple of weeks, it just seems like something that, you know, that oil only does so much. Uh, and mm-hmm. the sun can be pretty damn powerful. I mean, That's that can, some
2: sort of solids in the film.
1: It's just y- yeah, gonna, and that, that graying can happen over the course of just weeks. You know, so if you are even doing it twice a year, I mean, that's, that's aggressive. That's a, a, probably a good bet if you really want to maintain it, but ultimately I don't know that that's going to completely stop the graying from happening. The key, at least in my book, is to get a film on there that really filters out that UV. Uh, teak oil has some UV inhibitors in it, but you're just kind of absorbing into the fibers. You're not really building a protective film so much with that stuff that I just don't think it's going to be all that effective. Um, you know, and it sounds like a whole lot of work. you know, if you're going to be oiling this thing, you know, twice a year, I don't think many of us want to sign up for that kind of a maintenance schedule. Um, So, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. There's a lot of different experiences out there depending on different areas, and uh, what I deal with here is a very specific profile of, of sun and heat that may be very different than what someone else does, and having a winter could certainly cause different things that don't happen here, you know, just because the winter is so mild. So my experience yeah. is just, you know, one data point for you, but ultimately I just think it's a losing battle. Uh, if, you, know, you know, it just wants to that- gray.
2: That's actually a good point, Cliff. I don't know where you are in the country, but if you do have a winter, um, consider getting like a cover. Like if you're not going to use it in the winter, cover it up, mm-hmm, you right. know, and that will help a little bit. If you he, know.
1: Um, he saw the Adirondack series, the last episode in that series was talking about look, no matter what finish you choose, this wood is going to wear in a bad way over time. So buy a cover. And I went through a whole process. I think it's the cover store might be the yeah, site that I, I used. know there's a
2: couple companies that mm-hmm. make either custom. And then there's also companies that make existing furniture. Like yep. heck you can find covers in places like pottery barn and you just find something that's kind of similar to right? yeah. and you're good to go. And the other thing I will add to this, I used to think this was common knowledge, but based upon questions of the lumber yard, all wood goes gray. It's not just specific species. Yeah. Um I we get so many questions from people going, well, if I buy Epay, will it go gray or no? Well, I'm going to buy teak cuz it won't go gray. No, 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 no. <laughs> the sun will always win. Everything
0: goes gray. So it's not just it's not just cedar in this particular case.
1: I had oh, a bunch see, of boards that Sorry, Matt, go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say, here here's a marketing opportunity. It doesn't go gray. It goes silver. <laughs> That's
1: what most people say. It goes a <laughs> mat a it, mat
0: to a silvery gray. Yeah. See, and if you do that, then people are like, I love silver. <laughs>
1: Boy, that's a loud jet. Sorry about that. Sorry,
0: I I had gas earlier.
1: (laughs) That that was not a jet. Uh, I had a pile of wood that in one of my moves that just kind of got stuck outside. And by the time it was like rained on once or twice, I kind of gave up on it. But I left it there. And by I would say after a few months of sitting out in the elements like that uh, here in Arizona, it was very difficult to tell the species apart. Like every mm-hmm. everything just looked drab gray. They all kind of looked the same. Uh, I think I actually did a video on it about uh, the, the just how each of these woods held up with zero protection, zero help. Here's what this wood did in these conditions, and they all just looked like garbage. <laughs> Was that
0: the one where you had 50 different boards and you called it 50 Shades of Gray? Uh huh. No. Uh-huh. I would wow. Never so do that such a thing. Do uh, we well, don't. You know, but this this uh, questions like this always make me think that if if what you really want is to maintain the color of the wood, the, the original color of the wood, either one, never put it in the sun or just put it out for very short periods of time and make sure it always gets a good umbrella over it. Mm-hmm. Or two, be willing to actually stain it the color that you want it to stay. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I've, I've always thought that too about, I, I actually look forward to when the, whatever wood I'm working with takes on that silver color, that matte silver color. Yeah. I mean, it's like the same thing as having copper and then getting angry when the copper turns green. I, mm-hmm. The green looks kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, stain is actually a good point. If you're reapplying finish over time and you happen to use one that's got some sort of pigment or stain in the mix, that will help you maintain that color. If that is, if you can find a product that actually has a color you can tolerate. Some of those colors that they put for <laughs> like to, to look like cedar are right. pretty, pretty awful looking. So find something Why like Why does this look like a terracotta pot? Yeah, mm. Exactly. Right exactly.
0: <laughs> so yeah, the first time I worked with cedar, Samantha goes, That doesn't look like cedar. I'm like, no, this is actual cedar honey.
1: (laughs) It's not the cedar (laughs) that I know.
0: Exactly.
2: It's the cherry curse. I want a cherry, uh, a chair. Oh, okay. Well, Here's some bloodwood.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Awesome. Well, hey, we have this next question and it came in from Greg. And Greg says, my girlfriend was browsing Pinterest, which is always dangerous. My wife does it. And suddenly I have a ton of things that I'm supposed to be building with never having the time for it. Sorry about that. So back to Greg's question. My girlfriend (laughs) was browsing Pinterest a while ago and came across a tip out drawer for shoe storage. She absolutely loved it. So it sounded like a great birthday gift. Uh, Building the carcass and drawers are easy enough, but I'm not sure the hardware sold at the local home center will open a large drawer carrying shoes, unlike the small drawers we see with this type of hinge under sinks. So... The reason why I took this question is actually – let's see. This was about a year or so ago. I did uh, the bathroom cabinet build. It was for a uh, an old next-door neighbor. And the thing about this was they actually had a drawer that they wanted that would flip open in the front pretty much kind of how I'm imagining – what uh greg is describing here for the shoes uh and what i ended up doing for this was i used just a simple friction lid support i had one at each end of the the flip front drawer and of course i had just some uh soft close hinges somewhere across the the middle of it to help hold everything in place and those friction lid supports i had the same problem greg i was thinking number one while it doesn't look like, a, if you've seen pictures of the bathroom cabinet I'm referring to, it doesn't look like it's a really big drop front drawer, but it has this uh, piece of glass that they wanted in there. And while it's a kind of thin piece of glass, it's actually pretty heavy because it was like lead glass, if I remember correctly. And it was surprisingly heavy for as small as it is. I was really worried that that friction lid wouldn't hold in place, but it actually does. It holds really, really well. And the main thing is just kind of playing around with the placement of it so that you get it to open to the right uh, angle that you want. Originally, my plan was to use a damper gas spring kit. And so that's like, imagine uh, uh, the back of your car, you open up the hatchback, those springs in there, the the gas uh, arms that kind of come out and and hold it in place. You could use something like that. Um, The hard part I have with that is I did order one originally for this kit, and it turned out I apparently ordered a spring kit that probably could easily lift the hatchback, like the whole entire back end of the car. So I overestimated the uh, uh, the strength that I needed on that. But like I said, the friction lid support, which I know you can get at just about every single home center, this is the one that has like the slight curve to it, It looks like a little bit of an arc, Um, a couple of those, and I pretty much guarantee that it will probably easily hold all the shoes, unless, of course... Is your girlfriend like into like Doc Martens? Does she have like a giant collection <laughs> of combat boots? In that case, you might need to work out something else. But if it's typical shoes, like especially the ones that Samantha has, I feel very confident between the weight of the drop front and the shoes. These will easily work for you quite nicely.
1: Wasn't that like an insult from the 80s? Like your girlfriend your, your wears girlf- combat boots? Your girlfriend wears combat <laughs> boots. Wears combat boots. Yeah. What kind of insult yeah. is that? I don't even – like There's, as an adult, I'm thinking about it. I don't even understand what that means. Yeah, because like when I went through my ska period, I'm like, I would love to
0: have a girlfriend that wore
1: combat boots. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's hot. What's the problem? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she does and she can kick your butt with in, it. In other words, they were just saying your mom's hot.
0: Exactly, yeah. Th- nice. that, was the, that was the early days of MILF. <laughs> <laughs> there
2: you go. Interesting. Okay, on that note, so <laughs> this brings us to a question from Matt. He says, is there an easy way for a newbie to determine grain direction? I've heard Shannon talk about feeling the grain, but I can't often tell the difference. Is there an easy way? Um, <clears throat> I don't want to be like glib here. The easy way, take a pass with your hand plane. Does it tear <laughs> out? Go the other direction. And... Uh, i'm not joking (laughs) there are times uh and actually i was just saying i was using curly cherry um for this blanket chest and you look at the face of that board and that's what i would normally do look at the face of the board and kind of see what direction those grain lines are rising up to meet that that board and i'd go uphill um this cherry board no way Uh, you couldn't you have no idea what direction it's going so i i made a guess i put it in the vice Ran the plane across it? Nope, that's not right. You know, the plane will kind of stutter and skip over the surface and it will tear things out. Obviously, don't go with a super, super heavy cut or you might end up with bigger issues. And if that's not right, flip around and go the other way. Um, There is nothing wrong with getting a little bit of tear out as long as you don't keep doing it (laughs) so the tear out gets worse. Just go the other direction. You will always run into boards where the grain will change midway through. And in that case, there is no... You try to go one direction and switch and go the other way. There are a bunch of different ways to kind of see which way the grain's going. You can try to reassemble the, the board back into the log and figure out how the tree grew But even if you do all those things and you're certain this is the way the the grain's going to run, grain switchbacks on you all the time. If you're using figured wood, there almost is no grain direction. Even if you're using straight-grade wood, you're going to run into issues where maybe there was a a branch further out in the log and you've got a little swirly section that's not going to quite lay down for you. The easiest (laughs) way in the world, grab your hand plane and take a pass. If it doesn't work, go the other direction. I hate that method. Yeah, well you're wrong
1: (laughs) like the way I tend to do things I'll maybe after all the milling is done everything is done I'll take a swipe with the smoother and just try to save myself sanding and all that crap and that's the, the last time I want a catch like even a small catch is like I'm at the point where I really just want to take maybe a couple thou pass like or two and if I get any tear out now my two or you know one or two passes is going to become like seven or eight passes just to clean up what I just screwed up even if it's small <laughs> um, and that's why I hate doing that but I mean I, I could see I could see how we would run into this dilemma at that I, point. I
2: think you need to sharpen your blade Mark
1: no if you're taking a one or two
2: thou pass with a smoother and you're getting tear out you need to sharpen your blade <laughs> well
1: you get the beginning of tear out i I know that
2: you're like this bubinga guy and you like to use all this crazy jungle wood but i mean (laughs) one thousandth of an inch with a sharp blade it's really hard to get tear out and yes there's always going to be a board but i'm just saying if you do get tear out you're getting such a tiny tiny amount
1: listen you work with cherry you work with walnut i don't want to hear it (laughs) <laughs> I love chira and walnut. I know the exact reason. You're a hand tool user, and that's why you love it. So, so the the, <coughs> the point for this is yes. There's
2: a bunch of different ways. People have all kinds of different ways to quote read the grain pantyhose. And every pantyhose. single one of them, yeah, every single one of them would have an asterisk next to it, saying this doesn't <laughs> work for every single board, right. What I have found that works is you run a plane across it and then you go the other direction. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, the, there is no fail-safe way to do this. Um, you will find the more you do it, the more you get a feel for it, the more you can instinctively read a board and read its grain direction and feel the grain, as I talked about in a video a while ago. Um, so I would recommend you just go for it and screw some up and figure out how to fix it.
0: Just you know do didn't it. work for me? Just do it. One wait. thing yeah. that did not work for me was using a card scraper. I was like, oh, well, no, there's no tear out that way. Oh, no, there's no tear out that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So i like, no. <laughs> Oh, this doesn't work for me. There, there you, you go. go. So just switch
2: to nothing but card scrapers and go buy a joiner and a planer because <laughs> card scraper
1: is not going to help you very much when it comes to milling lumber. There you go you heard it here first Shannon recommends a jointer and a planer <laughs> <laughs> alright well if you want to support the show and help us out you can do that by setting up a recurring donation or a one time donation at woodtalkshow.com right hand column click some of those links that'll help us out you can buy a woodtalk t-shirt at twwstore.com and also while you're at our website go to woodtalkshow.com slash giveaway and sign up to win yourself one of those free t-shirts that I just mentioned uh, that are available in a store you could win one for free Uh, you can also leave us free is the best price ever Um, you can also leave leave us a review in iTunes just go to the iTunes store click on ratings and reviews give us a five star rating and I don't have any to read this week because there are no new ones so get on (gasps) it people we need some new reviews to read yes yes All right, Matt how about you give the contact info and we'll get out of here
0: all right. Hey, folks, do you have a comment, a question, a topic suggestion? There's several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at kickback at woodtalkshow.com or leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. And I don't think I should have to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. Do it! Because people forget this stuff all the time and you need to start taking down notes folks actually you know what we'll have links for these two or something someplace we'll actually just go to these websites mark you're over at the is that right that is correct sir uh shannon you're over at renaissancewoodworker.com. yes sir and i am over at matt's and i don't need to ask because i already know as i'm saying that so visit those websites for a ton of great content awesome fun and uh hilarity and uh Sometimes. great other things sometimes, yeah, sometimes not <laughs> Well, a lot of times when people just look at my picture they go oh my god is that guy for real they go
2: hobo hobo right, is no, it, was it's... it me or did matt start out that little speech with kind of soft spoken sensitive matt version it was very hey folks hey guys
1: you know yeah, we well, then i got questions.
2: angry when,
0: when, when i think about the people that don't visit those websites <laughs> yeah he, he gradually morphed into angry matt <laughs> yeah he just and got all he started
2: motion. out as like that that good that good guy friend that that, you know, you girls know what I'm talking about. You've got that good guy friend that will never be a boyfriend, but will always be a good friend. That was sensitive, sensitive and kind, Matt.
0: Yep. That's my friend zone, Matt. And then, <laughs> then the other one's like, Matt. I'm Donna being in <laughs> friend zone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just went through that whole transition right there. That was great. Good that job. pretty much
0: was the description of my teen years within <laughs> a matter of seconds.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll catch you next time.
0: See ya. Bye.